This is Winning with ADHD, a podcast for parents to empower students. Build up your ADHD teens so that they recognize their own talents, creativity, and uniqueness. Get tips and tricks to help overcome executive functioning challenges. Listen to stories and experiences of what worked and what did not. Together, let's find ways to build your child's self-esteem and start winning with ADHD. And now, here's your host, Heather Walker. Hi guys, I wanted to introduce you to my good friend, Teresa Arneson. We have been great friends for about 15 years, probably going on 16 years now. We met when our kids were really tiny. We'd both moved into a new area and we're looking for friends um, and we just hit it off. And what's really cool is that um, we have three girls. We both have three girls and they're great friends as well. And just wanted to say hi to Teresa Arneson. Hi. And I thought maybe we could just start out by talking about the fact that the friendship that we have, the friendship that our kids have. And as we've kind of been dealing with, I guess you could say, um, uh, ADHD and the trials that it has caused, the heartache that it's caused, but also the joys that we felt. Um, what has that meant to you and having a support system and another friend who's going through similar things as you? Um, this meant everything. I it's a tough road and it's not something that everybody can relate to. And so when you have a friend or you have a connection where somebody else gets it, when your child is doing things differently than other people's kids, um, and then you have someone else whose child does the same thing as yours, um, where everyone else is looking at your child going, what are they doing? Why are they doing that? That's not normal you know, what, what's wrong with your child? (laughs) Why can't your child not get through class without 15 comments or interrupting or whatever? It's nice to have somebody else that, no, I get that. That's not, that's not weird. My kid does that too. You know, you're, you're not in it alone. Yeah. So where we've been friends and our kids being the same age for so long, we've, we've almost kind of like gone through all of the stages together. And I think, a lot of times, like Emily, my daughter would go through something and your kids would be in a good spot. And then maybe Sarah would go through something. And while they maybe weren't exactly the same, they were close enough that we could understand each other or say, Hey, you know what, this worked really well for me. Or, Hey, you know what, we tried this and I don't know what's going to work. Like, um, and so, um, as we've worked through that for me, it's been, nice to even just have somebody to talk to and share how I feel. And even if it's that I'm just listening to you or you're just listening to me or that I have a suggestion. Um, and I think we've been really good at like offering each other some thoughts or, Hey, here's what I'm seeing from being the outside perspective. Right. Well, that's, that's something that's been really nice too, because you know, when you're in the middle of everything, when you're in the thick of it, there's a lot of things that are hard to see. You know, you're just dealing with this one component right here that's hard this day. Um, and so 
it helps when somebody else can see the bigger picture, what's going on around that. Yeah, almost that like sense, an impartial viewpoint. Yes. While yes. we're close, but I'm not in your house, you're not in my yeah. house. And so there's been lots of times where you would say something, I'm like, oh, I didn't quite think about it that yeah. way. Let Sometimes me... you're too close to the situation. It's like, it's like you're down in the maze instead of up top where the person up top can yes. see the way through the maze. For sure. This happens to me at work all the time where if I'm too close to it, it's almost like I'm emotionally connected yeah. to it. And yep. it's almost like there's some blinders on. Exactly. And I'm not quite able to see as well as when somebody comes to me with maybe a similar problem and I'm a little bit more removed and can have like um, my logical brain yeah. on rather than my emotional exactly. brain, which yeah. kind of funny thinking about that is that's one thing that Emily's um, doctors have talked about before is like, well, when Emily has her emotional brain on versus when she has our logical <laughs> brain on. And I think that's totally applicable to parents as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. When you're dealing with an ADHD moment or week, whatever, <laughs> um, as a parent, I get really emotional it is really hard that fight or flight kicks in because, you know, you're a mama trying to protect your offspring, right? And so emotionally, I'm trying to pad all of those, those, uh, those painful spots, you know, the, the bumps in the road, I want to put the soft cushion over it to help them. And instead of um, thinking of it from, okay, well, this is how you get over the log or, you know, through the obstacles, I'm trying to protect them when it's holding them back. Yeah. Um, you mentioned flight or flight or flight. flight. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually saw something recently that said from the ADHD brain or, or a kid or whoever that you have actually four options. It's fight, flight, freeze, which I think we've all heard of before. Yes. But then the last one was fib. <laughs> yeah. Fib. Yes. And so I've seen that happen yes. from like my daughter's viewpoint where I'm like, I would get so mad and frustrated and that would cause me to fight. Right. Because I would get mad because yeah. she would fib in yeah. a response to the situation that she was in because she was unable to figure out how to work right. her way through the situation or out of the situation. Yep. Um, so I just thought that was really interesting that fight, flight, freeze, which That's I'm good at. It's funny as well. that you said and that because I was just listening to the book about ADHD, uh, all about ADHD. I have to look it up and see what book it was that I was listening to, but it said that it brought up the fibbing and how for a child with ADHD, sometimes that's the only response that they can think of because it, it takes less brain work. Yeah. You know? um, I think it's also just like, a, you know, a coping mechanism yeah, that absolutely. as humans that we have, right? Like yeah. I know that we make jokes at my work all the time that um, I don't do board math. And the reason why I don't do board math is because when I was in school, you would get called up to the board. If you made a mistake, oh, yeah. like the fear and the anxiety around that yep. um, was something that was, I guess you could say almost traumatizing to me. And so we joke all the time. We don't do board math or I don't do board <laughs> math. 
And so if I sit there and I, I relate to that situation of how I feel, what happens to me in those situations is my brain freezes. And I'm like, I don't know what to say. Like all logic, all knowledge of whatever I have completely drains from me. Yep. And I think that when our kids get in a situation that they have just an extra option, right. Of like, And I think probably a lot of kids do this as well, not just those with ADHD, but I know with Emily, we went through a phase where it was like, she was in trouble all the time and we were after her all the time. And like the lies were just like nonstop. And for me, that causes me to enter an emotional brain rather than a logical brain. And so I respond with emotion of you lied to me, which is almost like a core value that I have of like, that harms our relationship. Now I feel like I can't trust you. And I, what I've been learning is, is that that is a response just like fighting, fighting, freezing, and how we can respond to that. So I have a question for you. So like when I'm more logical, I tend to handle situations better. I like pose questions back. And when I'm maybe not in my best spot as in maybe I'm probably hungry or I'm stressed or tired. I tend to respond more emotionally. What is your experience as to when you've been maybe more emotional in situations versus when you were kind of more in your logical brain and how you handled situations with your kids? So are you wanting to know how my kids responded to me in those emotions? Yeah. Um, well, my kids respond better when I'm in my logical brain rather than my emotional brain, of course, because I can think through, um, what I need to say to them or what they need to hear. Um, when I'm in those emotions, um, I'm not entirely sure what you're wanting to know. I'm, I'm sure. trying to think, I'm trying to think through, okay, if I put myself in that. <laughs> sure. I'll share an example <laughs> okay. from, from, or, or just a general feeling of what it's like okay. when I'm in a better space and can be what I call like showing up as my best self as a parent. Mm, okay. When Emily is having a meltdown because she's overwhelmed or she isn't working on homework because it's too much, or we haven't broken something down for her to be able to have it in bite-sized pieces. When she uh, gets overwhelmed, it starts melting down depending on the day and my own Mm -hmm. things that I have going on. I either respond with, so what can we do to help you get in a space to where we can start working on that? What if we just worked on this one little piece or, Hey, what if we got a snack and had a little bit of a break and then we came back to it? Those are my days where I'm like my best self. The other days when I have a lot going on at work and I'm maybe super stressed, maybe haven't eaten, maybe didn't get enough sleep the night before. Mm -hmm. My response is, is like, get up, get to the table. Let's go. We have so much to do. And I get maybe not super angry, but agitated, frustrated, and I don't have, or don't exhibit a lot of patience. She responds very differently in those two situations. How do your kids? So, um, when I'm in, in, when I'm in a good place, 
Um, but my child is melting down. One of the things that I learned through um, counseling with my girls is that when they're in their emotional brain, the way to bring them back to their thinking brain is to work them through their five senses. So, and I used to do this more often when they were little, like um, when Jessica was, I don't know, six, seven, eight years old, um, I would ask her, you know, okay, well, what's something you can see? What's something you can smell? What's something you can taste? What's something you can hear? And what is something you can feel? By the time I get done with that, then the emotional brain would um, be back in control with it. The thinking brain would have taken care of the emotional brain, right? right? And then I could talk her through whatever it was that I needed. I find that with my older girls, um, I don't go through that same process, but sometimes I'll ask them a question about something unrelated. Um, maybe I might ask them about something that a friend did, or I don't know, I just pull it out of that situation. Does that make sense? That totally makes sense. Because if they're right yes. there, they're in full meltdown mode because it's homework, they're discouraged. What I want to do is just pull their, pull their thought process away from that, maybe connect with them for a minute, um, maybe get them a snack, like you said, for right. Emily or whatever. Um, obviously, when I'm not in my best self, um, a lot of times I'll just tell them to do it. And then and this is going to sound really bad. <laughs> but sometimes I tell them to go do it, I see they're doing it, and then I ignore it because emotionally, I am not in a good place to handle it. And so I think the ignoring it part now, I don't ignore it all afternoon or all evening, but I've got to get myself back into a good place. So rather than blowing up and making the situation work or worse, I try to get them set up doing it. And then I just go do something else and ignore it and hope that they're doing what I wanted them to now. Do they always know their kids? Right. <laughs> they're not going to, but then at least. Um, so I think you actually said something that was really good here um, is that while they may not be doing what they should have been doing or what you've asked them to do, but you knew that you weren't in the right space. So I would be willing to bet that you stepping away and them not working on what they should have been working on is probably better that you stepped away if you weren't in the right space to help coach them and get them moving along. Because what I would imagine for myself is, is that if I'm not in the right space and I didn't walk away, then I'm just going to agitate it. And it's yeah. just going to like, continue to like, Escalate. just like, exactly to yeah. the point where nobody's going to get anything done. Nobody's <laughs> going to be happy about anything. And yep. you almost get to a point where it's just like the day is done yeah. and we just have to start over the next day. And yeah. so I think that while you were kind of indicating that maybe I'm not doing something so great here. Well, you know, it feels like it, it almost feels like an irresponsible parent moment, you know, like my kids are supposed to be doing homework, but yeah, I'm going to go ignore the fact that I know they're probably not doing it, but it, it's kind of a coping mechanism for me too, you know, and I guess with that, I know that I can go back and we can pick back up where, we need to maybe later that day or whatever, but then at least, I don't know, it de-escalates a situation and 
So what I'm actually hearing are, while I hear that there's probably something else there that, you know, from a coping standpoint that maybe needs to be worked on or whatever, but I'm actually hearing that you're helping protect a relationship and that if you are constantly fighting with them because you're not in the space to do this, then what is the impact of it from a relationship standpoint if you were to keep pushing it? Whereas you're stepping away, that's preventing that negative energy from being there and just causing it to just, like you said, escalate to the point where nothing happens. I've been there before. We've had our days where it's just escalated to the point where everybody's mad and nothing is going to happen the rest of the day. Like it's just done. Right. Yeah. And then we come back the next day and we try it again. Right. Um, those aren't my favorite days, right? Like I don't walk away saying, you know what, but we pushed through and we got it done. No, I don't walk away feeling that way at all. I actually walk away feeling really bad. And yeah, you know, you know what I do on those days? Cause yeah, everybody has them, right. You have a day. I, I had one really recently that I told you a little bit about before this and, you know, as a parent, I'm not always proud of the way that I handle some situations, you know, um, one of the things that I found that has helped me with my girls when we do have those types of days is, um, I kind of think of them as teaching moments because I don't want my kids to grow up thinking that, oh, when you're an adult, you don't mess up, you don't make mistakes, everything's perfect. Because for whatever reason, that's what I thought when I was a kid. I thought, oh, all these things that I'm going through as a kid, (laughs) they're going to go away. And magically, I'm going to have all the knowledge and I'm going to know how to fix everything and do everything as an adult, which as we all know, that's not really the case. So um, I try to use those moments to my advantage later when my thinking brain is back in place. Um, And I'll go tell my kids, I'm like, you know, probably could have handled this a better way. This was um, not a good way for me to react. And if, you know, I feel like I need to apologize to my kids, I, I do, because I feel like that helps them to see that, you know what, it's not just them and I make mistakes too. And Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's a little bit different or more common, um, in this, like, I don't know if the generation's the right word, but at this time of mm -hmm. like parenting, that it's more common for people to be more, um, upfront about those types of things. I grew up with the same feelings that when I'm an adult, nobody's going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to know all the things and I'm not going to get in trouble. Right. Like I thought those same things. And, you know, clearly we all know that once you're an adult and that you're a parent, especially that you definitely don't know all of the answers and that you realize you know less you exactly (laughs) that you don't know how to handle the situations and then you still make mistakes. Right. And, um, that is one thing that, um, I think my husband and I have started that we've done better at. Sometimes it's easier for us to admit that we messed up and other times it takes us a little bit longer. But I think one thing that's really cool about a lot of kids with ADHD is that they're usually incredibly forgiving. Oh yeah. I know that that's my case with my kids. Um, I believe Sarah, especially from my experience is incredibly forgiving. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's a pretty admirable trait that a lot of kids with ADHD have is that they are very accepting of the fact that you made a mistake and that you've apologized for it and that you're just trying to do better. Yeah. 
What I think yeah. is really interesting about that though, is that they're not so forgiving of themselves when it comes. To I was that. just thinking the same thing. So how do you help your daughter see those types of things to where she can like maybe relate it to herself? Do you have any techniques there? Um, I don't know that I would call it a technique other than I try to point things out. I, I try to point their strengths out. Uh, earlier today when we were in a therapy session with her therapist, uh, we were talking through some difficult things and she was talking about how uh, some of her thoughts about herself were not real positive. And I was actually kind of surprised by them. And, you know, when she was done talking, I took the opportunity to list out all of her strengths, all of the things that she does that amaze me. Um, I like to think that that did something good for her. I hope it did. But, yeah, you know, I, I listed out the things that she's done that are hard. She does some hard things that I don't know if I could do. Um, One of the things that I really like about Sarah is, is that she makes up her mind. She's going to do something Oh yeah, and she's going oh. right. <laughs> and it can be yes. incredibly hard. And she has, <laughs> I think one of the things that are really hard for her is that she has some really big dreams and goals. Oh yes. And she wants to do yes. all of them. Yes, and she does. so because she has all of these big dreams and things, like, I think she's hard on herself because sometimes it's just not humanly possible to do uh, everything yes. that she wants to do. Yes. Yeah, that is very true. She's got some <laughs> lofty goals and, you know, but it's good to dream big, right? Yeah, I think And so. it's, you know, it's provided some opportunities to talk through, okay, well, you want to do this? What do you think it's going to take? Well, where, where do you want to start with that goal? Um, yeah. She has some big ideas with horses. She loves horses. Horses are a lot of work, though. And I did not realize how much went into training a horse. Um, she's, um, she's working on training her horse to do certain things. And it's, it's kind of interesting to watch the process that a horse goes through. You know, that's actually a thought that just came to my mind is as she's working on training her horse, Sophie, that the process that that goes through, I almost wonder if you could kind of turn that back around when she's having hard moments to say, you know what, you have an amazing horse, but it yeah. takes a lot of practice and repetition. Oh, yes, right. And yes. when we think about um, our kids and like specifically with school, mm -hmm. it takes some schools, a hard thing for yeah. those with ADHD but with consistency or repetition mm -hmm. and frequency of those things happening that she could accomplish, you know, what she's yeah. looking to accomplish when it comes to a school aspect as well. Yeah. So I think one thing that I've learned is taking things that my kids are interested in and helping them like almost like flip it around to where it's mm -hmm. like applicable to them and their situation has been kind of eye opening. Of yeah. Because I'm pretty sure Sarah doesn't think negative thoughts about Sophie needing to practice multiple times to get something right. done, right? right? She's just like, we just need to keep doing this. Yeah. She'll get it, right? Yeah. And so I wonder if that is something that 
could be beneficial to like when she's having a hard day and kind of pull that back around to where it's like, Hey, so when you're looking at Sophie and you're teaching her these things, are you sitting there thinking negative thoughts about her instead? Mm-hmm. Instead, you're thinking, thought. I no, nope, we that. just need to run through this again. She'll get it. Or maybe we need to run through this history assignment again, or maybe we need to run through these note cards for a test one more time. Mm-hmm. Right. And that, that repetition and being able to apply it in her life as well. You know, I haven't thought about turning that around. You know, I've, I've tried to use some of the examples. Sophie is her horse's name. And I've tried to kind of use the reverse on her as far as, you know, while you are doing these things to help Sophie, well, you could use some of these same skills to help yourself or to do X, Y, or Z. I didn't think about turning it around and see, this is one of those instances where you're outside the box when I'm looking (laughs) in with tunnel vision and you see something, right? But it never occurred to me to use Sophie in the way that Sophie reacts as a parallel to the way Sarah's thinking and acting. Yeah, but that would put it in a, it would make it more real for her, I think. And maybe give her perspective that, um, I don't see her that way. So why should she see herself that way? Well, she wouldn't see Sophie that way. Right. So one thing that you just said actually just kind of triggered a thought for me as well is that with ADHD, external prompts or factors uh is such a huge piece to their success. Yeah. Their external environment, making sure that they have like a quiet space to study or that, mm-hmm. you know, things are set up for them to be successful in the morning or whatever. Um, I just thought about this in regards to Sophie as well, is that without Sarah being the external prompt to teach Sophie the tricks that she's wanting to do, Sophie would never naturally do oh, them no. on her own. Huh. And so that actually just kind of came into my thought process as well as like, even just having Sarah be the external prompt for Sophie, mm-hmm. Sarah needs external prompts yeah. for say school. Yeah. And so I think a lot of times ADHD kids look at it and say, well, I need that because I have ADHD and they take it in a negative way. But I really mm-hmm. believe that everybody needs external help in some oh, way, yeah. whether it be a support system or a teacher who taught yeah. you in kindergarten how to read or a parent who helps you, right? Like mm-hmm. everybody needs this like support system yeah. or I think it kind of goes back to like, you know, people saying, you know, you've, you know, what is it about? It takes uh, a tribe, a, to, a village to village raise, to raise, raise a, kid, a child, right? Yep. Like, I think it's kind of that as well. But I think when you have a situation where you have so many more negative comments coming to you. I found a quote not that long ago that by the age of 12, that an ADHD kid has 20,000 more negative comments than your child who does not have ADHD. And I sit there and I think about that and I'm like, that's got to just beat you down to where you don't feel good about yourself or you don't see how you are winning or what you are doing. That is a lot of hard work that should be celebrated. Yeah. Yeah. That breaks my heart, you know, and I, but I can, it makes sense as to why, you know, and then you add the negative thoughts that they may have internally on top of that. So I think one of the things that's important 
um, for ADHD children is to feel to feel their successes. You call them wins. You're always talking about helping Emily feel the wins. And I love that. I love watching that. And it's, you know, it, it never occurred to me before to really point those out to Sarah. You know, I, I guess I just assumed, you, you know, your wins, right? You know, when you're winning. Um, so I like the way that you call them out and you point out to Emily, you know, wow, you've got a win. Look at all these wins you're giving, you're getting and, and things. And so, you know, I, I like to think that for them hearing that and hearing where they're doing good, hopefully over time offsets the negative that they might hear, you know. Um, I think knowing that statistic, um, what it, taught me was that I almost needed to be over the top with it mm, yeah. to, like you said, to kind of combat it. Like if you're getting that much more negativity coming in mm -hmm. and granted, I know that I have been part of that as I've grown along this process mm -hmm. of what is ADHD? How do we deal with this? Like what, how do we be successful this way? Right. Like and on the days that I don't show up as my best self, right. I'm sure that I have had an impact on that number of those negative comments. So knowing that and seeing what it's been like over the last, you know, just a couple of months with Emily of, I'm going to make sure that I almost overcompensate mm -hmm. with the positive. And it actually reminds me a long time ago, um, before we knew that Emily had ADHD uh, our doctor suggested that we attend the parenting class. I don't know if she assumed that we were just horrible parents or if she just thought it would be a good I resource. I remember that. Yeah. I remember you talking about that. Well, one of the things that I remember from it is that, well, there was two main things that I took away from it is that for every negative thing you have to say, you need to say three positive things. Mm. And so they instructed that, you know, put three pennies in your right pocket say three positive things before you can say a negative thing and then you move them back and forth. So if you have something negative to say and you still have two pennies in one pocket, you better find something else to say that's positive first. Um, that's not always something that I've been great at, but it was a technique that was taught to us. One of the other things though that I learned was that a positive comment can be something like, I like the way the hair is falling on your forehead today <laughs> because sometimes when things are not going well, yeah. it's really, really hard to find those positive things yep. to say, but I remember them saying, you know what, Heather, just say, you know, I really like the way that your hair is falling on your face today. And I was just like, that's comical, right? Like you, she's got to tell that I'm making this up. Right. But like at the same time, maybe it's just there to make you laugh so that yeah. you can like kind of maybe release some of the tension that is there. <laughs> but oh. anyway, um, so I really like the ideas of what we were talking about with Sophie of like being able to kind of have positive thoughts around it, but positive thoughts around that it, everybody requires like practice or yeah. that, you know, everybody needs help or external prompts somewhere yeah. of whether it be that it's my calendar dinging at me or whether it's, you know, you know, a parent coming and saying, Hey, did you get started on mm -hmm. this? Right. 
Um, What do you think about their mindset and where they are and how they're showing up? So for example, Sarah, this last year did marching band, which Mm -hmm. is a huge time commitment. Oh my goodness. Also meant that schoolwork doesn't stop, but even though she has less time to work on it, would you say her mindset was in a good place about dealing with so much coming at her at once? That whole experience was, oh goodness. How do, how do I describe that? Um, I'm trying really hard to think of a good analogy here. And I'm really sad that I can't think of one. I just keep having this image of a big fiery pit and being thrown into it. And you're just hopping around trying not to get burned alive. (laughs) But first of all, the time commitment of that was far beyond what I thought it would be. So there was the time commitment and then there's the physical part. It, it's now I thought some of those other sports were exhausting, but they make those kids run laps. And then when you watch what they do in marching band nowadays, the dance moves and all these other really cool things to watch, but oh man, they, uh, in fact, I think you were there. They did a show for the families. Um, once they had their show put together before they started going out on the competitions, they, um, let the kids invite their family and friends to see this marching band show that they had put together and they ran through it. And then they said, oh, we want one family member for each student to go down on the field and march, you know, kind of shadow their student student doing this. Well, I did marching band 20 plus years ago. It's the best time of my life, the best time of high school. So I thought I had it in the bag. I thought, yeah, this is a cakewalk. You know, I'm going to go down there and I'm going to show my daughter that, yeah, I've been here. I've done this. It's no big deal, but you're doing good, right? <laughs> I didn't even do a quarter of their show and I was out of breath. Yeah. I had just gone down, done a workout. <laughs> I walked back up to the bleachers with the, my tail between my legs. But yeah, so it, there's a physical component, but then there's the mental component of it too. You know, um, there's a lot of things that go on when you do something like marching band. In fact, I'm going to be on my marching band soapbox for two seconds here. Um, It's hard. It's really hard. And there's a lot of things that those kids have to think about and do simultaneously all at once. Right. We went to St. George for the state competition and my parents lived there. So my mom came and watched, which was really exciting because she never really came and watched any of my shows. Well, she comes day one, she watches it. She's impressed. Yeah, this is really cool. I like this. So then she comes back day two and she says, Teresa, I couldn't get to sleep last night. I'm sitting there thinking about, wow, these kids have to have their music memorized and they have to play their instrument while they march and dance and do all these other things. And I'm thinking, yeah, I had to do that too, mom. <laughs> she's, she's just realizing all of this, <laughs> you know, but um, there's all these things that these kids got to do to get ready for a show like that. Um, then you throw a full day of school on top of that. You throw a normal load of homework on top of that. And then if you write it down and you actually look at the amount of free time that she had to do homework, 
there was next to nothing. I had some big reservations against letting her do that. Um, fortunately, there were some ladies in our neighborhood that I had a chance to talk to, and I shared my concerns with them. And they said, yeah, but our kids get better grades during marching band than when they're not. And of course, I'm thinking, yeah, but you don't have an ADHD child. <laughs> um, found out later one of them did. But uh, it was really tough. Really, really, really tough. We finished term one. She, her lowest grade was a C. She had two Cs. Maybe it was three. Two was three. term one still during marching during band? During marching C. band, yes. Okay. Um, marching band went through the beginning of term two. So term two uh, began maybe the last, we still had two and a half, maybe three weeks left of marching band. Okay. Um, so we had some moments with homework where, you know, it was last minute trying to get things in last minute. And, but we didn't have anything that was sitting at an F. We weren't nail biting crap. She's gonna, she's gonna fail this class. We gotta find these extra points, extra credit for her to run and turn in last minute, right? No, we didn't have any of that. It was stressful, but we didn't have any of that. Then term two starts, um, marching band wraps up. I'm thinking, okay, schoolwork's gonna get better. We're not gonna have any C's this term. We're gonna have A's and B's, right? Because if you can get a C during the middle of all of that in the, in the middle of the inferno, right. surely we can pull A's and B's out, right? No, not the case. So what do you think happened? Structure. Structure. I oh believe, my gosh, I'm so glad you said that. It boiled down to structure. And when I talked to Sarah, she said that she had no time to do anything else. When marching band finished, I thought, okay, well, she's learned a lesson through marching band. The marching band teacher was phenomenal. I will send, Sarah just knows she's not allowed to even think about not doing marching band again because that teacher was so phenomenal. Um, the way that he talked to those kids and, and you know, just life skills that he would talk to them about it just made sense to Sarah. It made a huge difference to her. Um, but I made the assumption that here she's heard all of this great stuff from Mr. Brady, that it's going to stick with her because I already know she feels strongly about what he said. She agrees with it. So it's not like I'm trying to have to sell her anything. Right. right? Um, so I thought, okay, this will be a good parenting time to step back a little bit. You know, let her see that I trust her. At least that was my my train of thought there, right? So marching band's over. Next week happens. She comes home from school. She plops down on the couch. I'm like, great. Everybody needs a break, right? She's just had a long, grueling day at school. She actually has time at home to take a break. So why not let her take a break, right? Day two comes. She does the same thing. Day three comes, she does the same thing. And I'm thinking, wow, she's, she must be getting a lot of homework done at school or, you know, I don't know. I was uh, overly optimistic, I think. Um, we ended up, I mean, not that it went, the same thing went on like day after day. I'm 
you know, trying to paint a picture with that. But um, come near the end of the term, she has three Fs. I'm 100% sure she's not going to pull out of one of the Fs. She's doing nonstop homework, staying up super late. You know, I mean, I thought the fiery furnace was bad. No, this was a step beyond that. And I don't know what you call that, but it was really hard. And she learned to do a lot of really hard things. You know, like we talked about before, she had to learn to go advocate for herself. She had to go talk to teachers. Um, that second term, we finally had a 504 in place, which was really difficult to get in in the first place. Not the whole other thing. But um, at the end of the day, after doing all of the hard work that she did, she was able to pull all three Fs up to not just Ds, but to C's. The interesting thing in retrospect is that it was a lot harder for her that second term when she didn't have marching band. Right. You would think it would be the opposite. But when I talked to Sarah and I said, okay, tell me why you think this was different. She said, well, because during marching band, I knew I didn't have any time to come and sit down and lounge around. She says, there just wasn't any time. She said, when marching band was over, she thought, oh, I've got lots of time. I can lay down and, and it's okay because I can do it tomorrow. Right. You Until know. you run out of tomorrow. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh -huh. That is something that kids with ADHD have a hard time with is time management or yep. just the concept of time of like mm -hmm. how much time has passed or how much time I have left before I need to do this or mm -hmm. different things like and that. And I think the important thing to remember is Sarah had every desire to do well here. She just, she knew she did some hard stuff and some really great stuff during marching band season. She knows that she doesn't have an infinite amount of time. So when she came home and she laid down on the couch to take a break, she had every intention of keeping it short break. She was going to get on. She was going to do her homework. The intention was there. They're not, they don't choose to be lazy. They don't choose to put things off until the last minute. They're just unable to follow through. So and what do you think when we get to next year and she does marching band again and it ends what do you think you guys would do different as a family? Well, one of the things that I've tried to talk to Sarah about is, okay, what went well? What didn't go well? What might we want to change for next time? What have you learned from this? Okay, this was, this was a crummy experience, especially this last term. It was not fun for Sarah to, to go through what she did with being faced with, I might fail a class oh, well, if I fail a class and that means I've got to take it again or I've got to do these other unpleasant things, that's not fun for anybody, right. you know? And so I sat down with her and said, okay, well, what can we take away from this? Because here you've just come through this. You got to take something from it, make it worth something, right? Because right. right. you don't want to repeat that, um, learn from the hard stuff. And so she says she doesn't want to, she wants to work more on not procrastinating, staying on top of things, you know, the typical token answers that we would give, given the situation. But I think that, I think that maybe going through that, maybe she's a little more vested now. I'm hoping that when it comes around again next year, she'll remember the things that she learned and apply those to the experience 
next time. And, you know, it's, it's, I think of it like exercise. The more you do something, the stronger you get. You know, that's kind of the concept. Well, and then you start to feel the win of it, like yes. with exercise, yes. right? Like it's, and what I'm really hearing you say is consistency. Yeah. And yeah. having something that you have consistently in place to help with whatever piece that you're dealing with, right? Mm -hmm. So like something consistent of how you handle homework at home, like you come home, yeah. we set a timer for a half an hour at a half an hour, we get up and we get to work, right? Mm -hmm. And that that way you don't feel like you're being punished. You yeah. still get some time to yourself or whatever, but the timer's there to help kind of bring you back yeah. and, and get it prompted or something like that. Or maybe yeah. it's like, you know, somebody comes home at a certain time every day. So you get a break until then. And then once they're home or they finish with work or whatever, that yeah. there's some type of external trigger there. Yeah. One thing though, um, that I've also learned with Emily about like having this free time, so to speak is kind of detrimental for her as well. Um, she doesn't have marching band like like Sarah does, mm -hmm. but whenever we have like an extended school break mm -hmm. or, um, you know, like a fall break or, you know, a Christmas break or something like that, getting to the break is hard for her because she knows that it's coming. So she mm -hmm. like kind of loses a little bit of gas and to be able to keep going to finish out what she needs to. Mm -hmm. But then she also really has a hard time kind of getting ramped back up again to get started again. Mm -hmm. And so we've learned that. And, you know, as we just came off of Christmas break, I started reminding her, like, I, I sat there and thought, I'm like, Okay. So I want to remind her that this is hard for her, try to get her mindset in the right place so that she can get started on the right foot when we get mm -hmm. back to school in January. But at the same time, I didn't want to overwhelm her and like bring yeah. her down at the same time. So like yeah. we went back to school on Monday. So I think it was Saturday morning. I said, so school's starting on Monday. And this is typically a hard time for you to kind of like jump back into things. What are some things we can do to help make sure that we're in the right place, that we soak up every last little bit of like free time and everything you want to do so that you're ready to go on Monday. That worked for us this last break. I don't know if maybe that'll work for you or kind of reminding Sarah, like as marching band ends next year, like, Hey, so remember, let's just kind of rewind back a little bit. Let's yeah. Remember what that was yeah. like. And, you know, kind of bring that to the, her memory or the front of her mind so yeah. that she can say, yes, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think also there were some really good things while she had that I have all this extra free time and it kind of caused this like super that I have ever seen any of my kids work so hard. She, well, like you said before, she has grand ideas. She wants to conquer the world. Well, in that moment, I saw her conquer something which was really cool, but it was painful. Sure. I think the things though, that we are most appreciative of are kind of painful for us yeah. to go through. Right. Yeah. Um, I think as parents, seeing our kids accomplish those things, it's painful for us as parents to watch them go through yeah. something hard. And then I think 
at least for me, I get emotionally touched that I'm just so proud of watching her accomplish what she just did and the hurdles that she had to jump over in order to make it there. There's another Sophie reference for horses (laughs) for you trying to teach her how to jump over those hurdles. But um, anyway, I think that it brings a lot of you know, the things that we have to work the hardest for are the things that we appreciate the most. And, you know, I think it gives us something to build upon. Mm -hmm. Right. And I also am grateful to hear that she was so proud of herself and that she had that win, because I think that's something that they need to keep going. And for Emily, if we talk about Emily's school year last year, like I would almost say that there were zero wins and watching her kind of just like shrink Mm -hmm. as a person and how she showed up in everything was really difficult to watch. And then to turn around and have a complete opposite experience this school year where I see her blooming and blossoming and seeing that when she stacks a win and then she stacks another one. And that while there might be like, oh, we missed that and we forgot to turn it in and kind of just pulled back a little bit. It's not that we did something, one thing, and then we dropped completely down, you know, back to losing all of that self-esteem or ability to have that belief that you are able to accomplish anything. And just reminding them of her win of, hey, you did a really hard thing here. And then trying to find that next thing and stack it just over and over and over again. Yeah, it's been really neat for me to watch that transition with Emily from last year to this year, just her demeanor. She's happier now. And it's been, it's been really fun to see her have the, have all of those wins. I remember the day she came uh, to her piano lesson, super excited to tell me how her grades were at that particular moment in time. And I knew that that was a big deal for her. Yes. It was, it was really one thing that's different about Emily compared to Sarah is Sarah has all these big goals. Well, Emily hasn't always had those big goals. And while she's got some, has some dreams that she Mm -hmm. wants to accomplish, um, having goals was something that she didn't really have a whole lot of, and we didn't know about them. It wasn't until we started having consistent wins Mm -hmm. that she started setting goals for herself and started having a positive outlook as to where it could go or what could happen. Uh And that's been really fun to watch as well as to say, yeah, I, I think before she didn't set them because she's like, what's the point? I'm going to fail before I can even start getting there Mm -hmm. and being able to see her have those dreams and get excited about them and have those goals for herself has been very rewarding as a parent to watch her evolve and see that she can do hard things. And that through, I keep using the word consistency because it really, that really is what it has been. You have to be consistent. It's, you know, what we want for these kids is to develop, um, We want them to learn strategies that are used consistently so that they can be successful, right? Um, Without that consistency, you're never going to get any of the traction. The consistency, in my mind, what you're looking for, what you're hoping for is that it creates a habit. 
a secondary response, something that happens without even thinking about it. Um, I kind of look at that as a way to bridge some of those ADHD gaps that are there. Um, so I, I think consistency is one of the most important things as, as a yeah. parent trying to help your child. One of the th things, so I feel like I'm pretty good with consistency on a lot of things. I mean, I clearly fail at many things that I try <laughs> to be consistent with, but um, if I've made up my mind to it, then it's pretty much going to happen. Mm -hmm. But one thing that I noticed that you actually made a comment about earlier was like marching band had ended. She had done fairly well, given that situation and mm -hmm. so many things coming at her. You were like, I'm just going to back off. Yeah. She's got this. Well, I've caught myself doing similar things throughout mm -hmm. Emily's schooling as well, where it's like, oh, we don't have any missing assignments at the moment. I can back off. She's got this. Yeah. We've done it. We've arrived. Right. I remember yeah. thinking that so many times we've arrived. And when I just did that with my youngest one, Jessica, and it came back to bite me this every week. single time, every oh, single time. I thought we were me. good. I thought we were good. Drop dead date was coming. I thought we have everything turned in two days before we check. Nope. Right. So with Emily this year, I decided before the school year started, I'm like, if we get into a good place, great. We are literally not stopping. We are going to be relentless in these specific things that we're working on of that she sits at the table to do her work, that she gets a 15 minute break after a half an hour of work, that like, all of these things that we were working on, I was like, it doesn't matter how good things are going. Yeah. We're not letting go. Yeah. And we actually had a situation earlier in this, this school year where I was like, oh, things are going. And I backed off the tiniest little mm. bit and we felt it. We had a hard couple of weeks and I was like, Emily, did you see this? Do you see what happened? Like, I saw that you were getting there. I backed off. You probably backed off because I backed off. And then here we are sitting in this spot again that yeah. neither of us want to be in. And so um, I think what I've really learned is, is that once you find something that's working, that it, that it's working because you're consistently doing yeah. it and that you need to keep doing it in order to keep that going. That yeah. if you stop it, like if you stop lifting weights, you're going to stop yeah. building muscle. Right. And so yeah. I think that's something that has been a huge takeaway that I think you're seeing and that yeah. I've been feeling as well. Yeah, for sure. Right. I have one last topic or area for us to talk about. Okay. How do you, uh, I just want to talk about the fact that as an adult, that you have also found out that you have ADHD and how that impacts you as like, as a parent or how you deal with it or anything that you would like to share about your experiences and now knowing that you have ADHD or helping to parent those with ADHD, do you feel like you can, I don't know, maybe connect with them? Um, as far as my kids go, I feel like I can relate. I feel like I can understand. Well, I understand why they don't get things done. I can kind of see where that mindset is or understand where it's at. Um, I know that at least for myself, when I fall behind or I miss things or whatever, I know I had every intention of doing it and I might be following my, you know, I might have the list. I might have 
things in place to help me accomplish things. And sometimes those things, I guess I could call them fail safes or whatever, sometimes they fail. Um, and so when that happens with my kids, I, I, I was going to say, try to be empathetic, but I don't need to try. I am because I know what that feels like. I know what that feels like when you have the desire and you're trying really hard and then your brain just doesn't want to cooperate with you. And, um, yeah, it, it can be hard, um, One thing with the brain, and I don't know if this is something you want me to get into or not, and I'll just keep it brief, but one of the things for me, okay, so if you if you have a handicap, say with your, or, or a deformity on your arm, or um, something wrong with you physically that surgery can repair or fix or improve in some way, um, but then you have something like ADHD that affects your brain and they can't go repair that. And, you know, you're, you're left with, you know, these strategies, all these things that we're talking about, they're great. They're, they're, they're good. But coming from somebody who has it, sometimes it's frustrating because you feel like, well, why me? Why did I draw the short stick, you know? Um, and so it can be frustrating. Um, but it's um, it's been helpful for me as I've learned some of the strategies, um, especially one of those being that are, are finally understanding why a list does not work for me. I showed you my list beforehand. It's a mile long. I have every intention of getting those things done. But when I look at the list, it suddenly becomes overwhelming. There are certain items on the list that I know I need to do, but I avoid them. And I go to the other easier things first because the ones I'm avoiding, they take more out of me. It means I've got to do more. I've got to exert more mental, uh, you know, mental energy towards it. And it's not because I'm lazy. It's just, it's, it's just the way my brain works. It, it's hard. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't have ADHD, but I can relate at least in some ways, because there are times that I look at my list of what I need to do. Yeah. And I'm like, I do not want to do that today. And I will procrastinate. I will push it off until I absolutely have to. So I can at least relate to some extent. Yeah. Um, but I think where I differ is that I feel that I am better able to break down a task to where it's mm -hmm. more manageable. Whereas I know when I'm working with Emily that, well, we actually have an example just the other day, um, mm -hmm. this last weekend, um, her school's offering a trip to Washington, DC. Oh, wow. You have to write a five paragraph essay about how you going to Washington DC will benefit you and those that you interact with or how you could impact others' lives by going to Washington DC. So Emily and I talked about it briefly. She was so excited about the possibility <laughs> of being able to go on this trip. I think she would absolutely love it. And this weekend, um, her dad and I were busy painting bedrooms because we're redoing the girls' bedrooms. And she was sitting at the kitchen table and I could just feel that things were not going well, mm. right? Normally I'm sitting next to her or fairly close by, but I, I just 
knew that things weren't going well. And so I was at, I kept like peeking out and saying, how's it going? You know, did you get a paragraph done? And she's like, it's going, it's going, but she wasn't super energetic Mm -hmm. and you could just kind of feel it. And so finally, um, after several hours went by, Oh boy. Um, I said, so what are you working on? And she's like English, like (laughs) it's Saturday. Like you're on, you are doing really well. You are not behind. Why are you working on English? Right. This essay is due Monday. If you want to, you know, potentially go on this trip. And so it finally came out and she had like an emotional outburst and she's like, I'm just going to quit. Right. And like, Mm -hmm. she had given up completely. And honestly, I think she had given up way before that, but us starting to push on it, like caused the emotion to, to well, Uh, yeah, really what was happening was it was too big of a task for her Mm. and it needed to be broken down because Mm -hmm. she was overwhelmed and she didn't know she literally couldn't take the first step because she couldn't see how to get there. Yeah. Yeah. Does that resonate with you? Yes. Yes, it does. Especially the feeling overwhelmed when you get overwhelmed like that, you get stuck. It's really hard to pull yourself out of that out of that place. Um, and while you were talking and I don't know, it's, I don't know if it's really related, but as an adult with ADHD, one, I think one of my biggest obstacles is I lose track of time. I, I, you know, my husband and I, we like to sit down and watch a show at night. Well, I can't tell you how many times we've not done that because I think it's two hours earlier than what it really is. I don't know where the time goes. And my sense of time passing is a little bit different sometimes. Um, But uh, I wanted to say that because I was afraid it was going to get away from me and talking about the breaking things down and, and, you know, that, that angle of things. But I definitely find I get overwhelmed. Sometimes I try to break things down and I might not, uh, break them down far enough. Sometimes, uh, you know, getting a suggestion for my husband helps, but, you know, things in, in the adult world are a little bit different than writing an essay <laughs> and sometimes not as easy to break down, but, um, one of the things, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you know, there's some things you get better at the older you get and, <laughs> Yeah. So when I feel stuck and, um, so I follow a lot of different authors. One of them is James Clear. I think he's amazing. He's written several books, but he talks about, um, just taking like a first step and, um, somebody else I know was talking about, she was listening to a podcast and, you know, the person was talking about, what is it that you're wanting to accomplish? And this person wanted to get all of their books off of their kitchen table and on a bookshelf. And she's Mm -hmm. like, so why are you not doing that? And, you know, the lady's like, well, I need to buy a bookshelf. I don't actually have a bookshelf. And she's like, okay, so what do you need to go get a bookshelf? Well, I need to go to the store and buy one. Well, how come you haven't done it? Well, I don't know what the size of bookshelf that I need is for the space that I want to put it in. And so she's like, okay, so if you, your first step could be measuring the space so that you know 
what size of bookshelf to put there. And she's like, yeah, she's like, so your first step could be that. She's like, but I need a tape measure. I don't have a tape measure. Okay. So the first step that you could do would be to go get a tape measure. Could you go borrow one? Could you go buy one? Right. And so like being able to kind of walk through that process is kind of what I think our brains do sometimes. Like I want to accomplish this, but it seems so daunting and so overwhelming because I need all of these pieces in order to be able to get my books off of my kitchen table, for example. And I think that that's what you feel. I think it's what Emily and Sarah feel when they're given some, giving a task that they're feeling just so overwhelmed by it. Emily, it was kind of fun to watch at this point, and there've been other times where it hasn't been fun to watch where my husband went and talked to her and he's like, he loves history and, um, writing history essays is something he was really good at. Really? Yes. I did not know that. So I was like, Adam, go talk to her, see what you can do. And so he sat there and he's like talking through what the prompt was asking for and for, you know, five paragraphs of what she could talk through. Emily, what are you excited about seeing in Washington, DC? What do you want to learn about? What are you excited about? Why do you, because she was very excited about this possibility. Right. And so you just kind of sat there and walked her through it. And it was just super cool because after talking to her for 10 minutes and walking through it, she literally turned and started writing. Oh, wow. It was super cool to watch. But if you're so frustrated in the fact that she's just wasted four hours doing absolutely nothing and, you know, you need to help her break it down. But once you are able to, at least in her case, in this situation, kind of walk her through it and so that she can see where she's going and what those steps are, she was able to just sit there and write it out. Now, well, and I imagine that a lot of the things that she wrote out are things that she thought about during those four hours. That it's very possible. You know, yes. I, know. <laughs> I like to think that. <laughs> but I think that, you know, thinking through that, like a lot of times as parents, I think we can get really frustrated and kind of, mm-hmm. kind of almost like circles us back around to like the start of our conversation yeah. of when we respond from an emotional standpoint of I'm frustrated, you yeah. just wasted four hours get to work, get this done. Don't you want to go? Clearly she wants to go. Right. Yeah. But she was stuck. And so being able to, the sooner we can identify that and offer, honestly, just the slightest little bit of prompt and Mm -hmm. ways to kind of help just get over that hurdle, just a teeny bit. And then she just flew. And sometimes that's all you need. Yeah. It's just a little help up. Yeah. So, so All right. Well, do you have any last things that you would like to share? Um, I'm sure I'll think of 10 things when we're done. Okay. Um, Well, I'll just wrap up up with saying that um, I think making sure that if I take our takeaways from our conversation would be that making sure that we are doing our best to show up as our best self. Um, That's a whole nother topic for another day of like self-care and things like that. But I think one thing that you talked about um, was that if you're not able to be your best self, 
what I took away from that was it's best to save the relationship yeah. rather than force the task, right? That's yeah, definitely I agree. way more important. And by not doing that, um, we just damage the relationship and, you know, um, internal like negativity that can come from it. I think that utilizing things that our kids are invested in and are excited about, for example, with Sarah, with marching band and with mm-hmm. her course, I think can be great learning experiences and opportunities to teach and take where things went really well and where things didn't go well and like remind them when they're in a new hard situation and yeah. maybe doubting themselves and use it to help build them up and say, Hey, we went through this. Remember, remember what we learned, remember how we've improved. And I think the last two things are consistency, consistency and yeah. external factors, but consistency and letting them know where they're winning. Yeah. And so sure. those are like my big takeaways from our conversation today. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I agree. All right. And then one last thing is a support system. Mm -hmm. And that if you have somebody that you can vent to and talk to and just have a sounding board of ideas with is just really, really helpful. I know like the relationship that we've had and the opportunity, I'm going to call it an opportunity or luxury blessing, whatever oh, yes, you want to call definitely it, definitely a luxury has been very, very helpful for me because there are times that as in your case, maybe with having ADHD or also being a parent of those with ADHD that you feel alone yeah. and, um, we're not alone that there are lots of other people that are having similar experiences and are probably feeling alone and finding a community that you can speak with somebody, whether it be on a Facebook group or a friend or, you know, somebody else that you can talk to, I think is super helpful. I know it's been super helpful to me. Yeah. It's been incredibly helpful for me too. I'm very thankful for it. Allow me to be sane and continue to keep trying and not give up. Yes. (laughs) Well, and it's hard to keep going. It's hard to keep going. So having someone else sort of cheer you on and say, it's okay. Yes, I completely agree. All right. Well, Teresa, it was really awesome talking to you and being able to do this podcast with you. Thank you. Winning with ADHD is brought to you by Disrupt ADHD. Head on to disruptadhd.com slash learn more.